Hey AJ, hey Chris, it's Dan, fellow gear collector and watch obsessive, as well as a Bellingham podcast listener. And to all of those out there tuning in today, you're listening to the Bellingham podcast. Well said, and I am AJ Barce. Hey, guess what? I'm Chris Powell. And you are tuning into the Bellingham podcast episode 76 for the week of April 15, 2018. Hey, Chris. <laughs> How you doing? I'm thoroughly enjoying that uh, new intro. Thank you very much, uh, Dan and Cypress, for uh, providing that awesome introduction. Hey, we're bad. We're worldwide. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So a little background on uh, our listener. This is kind of a new thing that uh, Dan was so uh, so gracious to do for us. Uh, Dan's a listener of the show. He has been for a while. And he reached out to me through uh, Instagram because he's part of the Watch Fam. Hi, Watch Fam. Soap Watch Fam. So really cool thing. Um, a little bit of a shout out and plug. Um, so there is the show, The Two Broke Watch Snobs. Uh, it's run by two guys, Mike and Kaz. Mike's down in Seattle. Kaz is over in uh, Florida. And they do a weekly show. Uh, most of the time, it's NSF. Uh, F, w. Well, not safe for work. Uh, if you have the door shut, everything's safe for work. No, uh, not, not 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 safe for family. There you is go. Is what I meant to say. There there is some uh, <laughs> intriguing Flavor, analogies. Flavorful language. Right. Flavorful idioms. But uh, but this the the episode um, their episode seventy five, which is called uh, "Talking Vintage Military Watches" with uh, Dan C twenty one C Y, which is uh, Dan's handle on Instagram. It's a really cool episode, and I I would even say that it's pretty much family friendly. It's probably probably historically their only family-friendly episode, probably. But what's really cool is you hear from Dan, who's a watch enthusiast. He is uh, serving in the British military. That's why he's stationed in, in Cyprus. And uh, he's an avid adventurer. He loves climbing things. Uh, Dan, if you're ever in the Bellingham area, first pints on us. We got the first round, uh, <laughs> friend. Thanks very much. Yeah, so it's really cool. You want to listen to his story, especially if you're a watch geek, because, um, because he's... Uh, military service and specifically in British military um, he's part of the imagery intelligence community and as an analyst of that community he decided to reach out to a brand that you like Braemont I'm a big fan of Braemont I would love to be able to um, get one someday <laughs> yeah uh, but that does take a little bit of uh, a frugal uh, saving yeah so so Braemont they they make some really skookum watches well what's really cool about Braemont is they have a I'll say a dedicated core within their their company for uh, military and special projects for watches. Mil spec. Yeah, basically, kind of. Yeah, a, a mil specked out watch, but they're they're more commemorative and dedicated pieces. So, for instance, the um, F-14 Tomcat pilots for our U.S. Navy. There's a Braemont dedicated for them, and basically, you can only the only way you can get it is be an active service member. That was part of that division. I wonder if there's a, a, a tech spec, like for technologists among us. Yeah, or podcasters. There's Ooh, be, a pod spec. Yeah, a pod spec. <laughs> hey, Braymont, <laughs> we dig you. Anyway, I've got a link in the show notes to um, to the Two Broke Watchstops episode 75 with Dan's interview. And uh, also, if you are, because uh, we do have several servicemen and women that listen to our show, Not that, that now that extends not just to U.S. military, but global military. Um, if you're part of a division that um, you feel that you, you would like to, to have 
have a watch for your division of some sort. Take a look at uh, Braemont's website to pull a, qu- a quote from their military watch side. Quote, working in the lines with Braemont's core principles, the Br- Braemont military, which is what they're, let's like hashtag Braemont military, and special projects division create exclusive bespoke watches for military personnel and also specialized community and private organizations and corporations. Dig it. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's really cool. If you listen to Dan's interview, he he talks about like, he just sent an email willy-nilly to this this company and they got back to him and the project was lit, which was cool. And, and he was looped in through the whole creative process and their designers talked to him and he gave input. Just really cool. Um, a really cool story. And if you're into... Uh, um, like military watches of all kinds, of, uh, all sorts. Take a look at also Dan's uh, Instagram. Uh, like I said, that's Dan C twenty one C Y. Awesome, very cool. So, um, we've uh, said hello to the watch fam and discussed some watches. What else should we talk about this episode seventy six? Well, last episode we got a lot of good responses regarding our minimalist, our take on minimalism. Yes. Uh, and what's what's interesting is is when you talk the the word minimalism. You and I have kind of go, gone back and forth with it. It, it kind of has a little bit of um, kind of, I don't know, baggage and almost sometimes pompousness behind it. And that's not the case necessarily. Very similar to uh, the word hipster. Yeah. And, and that's not the case. Like when you think about minimalism, it's it's more of like it, there's a state of mind. There There's this concept of kind of being aware and finding purpose as, a, uh, as opposed to just having stuff for the sake of stuff's sake. Well, it's it's important to uh, have the right mindset so that you can live a life uh, focusing on the important things in life as opposed to things. Yeah. Because uh, you don't want to be owned by the things that you own. Right. And especially here in the United States, like economy and, and, and politics aside, you know, there's a lot of issues with people with debt trying to get out of debt. And minimalism has been a way for some people to get their, their head above water with that regard. Because maybe in their younger days, they were young, dumb, and had a credit card. That and was had me. Some fun. Yeah. That but, was me. So that story resonates with you? Oh, absolutely. Because in my 20s, you know, you you get a job that pays a good amount of money than uh, mowing lawns or picking berries or uh, washing dishes in a restaurant. Squim, Washington. <laughs> yes, my hometown. <laughs> right. Uh, so anyway, but once you start making some cashola, all of these doors open for purchases. And I found myself backsliding down a really huge muddy slope that got me into a pit of uh, financial uh, debt and, um, you know, just taking a look around and finally, you know, sometimes you just don't want to have all those things surrounding you. And, and like we talked about last episode, the value of open space and the open air, uh, is, is really important, uh, to me personally, and maybe to some of you listening out there. Uh, so, you know, you just type in the word minimalism, uh, in the Google and see what you get. Most likely you'll probably find some popular sites that can give you an intro if you're not familiar with this, uh, lifestyle. Yeah. And so the, the aspect of minimalism that resonates with me is efficiency. Being able to see a space or to see utility in things as opposed to just having, uh, my, my pops would always say like dust collectors or bric or brac, you know, mm-hmm. these things that tchotchkes, these, mm-hmm. all these words for stuff that, oh yeah, I got it out of a cereal box. Doesn't look great. No, no. Like I like having things with meaning or have function. And along those lines, there's, it's kind of hard to, 
because everybody has a different walk of life. So there is no one catch all of like, this is the minimalist way. And that's the, my view. Like you have to adapt certain things. What works for one person in this track does not work for everybody because you may have a different walk of life. You may be a mechanic, a master mechanic and may have a tiny home, but you have like a 2,500 square foot shop because you're Jay Leno and you work on cars. You know, there's, there's a line of uh, efficiency where you can, you can remove a lot of things, but if it's something that you're passionate about, like watches, you know, I'm a watch collector, you know, but I find value in one, the actual item of a watch, but two, I also find utility in it. It tells me time. And I often uh, view minimalism along with just having a, a few things that can do the job. And uh, I'm a musician. I've, I've played guitar, electric guitar for about uh, going on 30 years now. Uh, and I played bass guitar for about maybe 25. And I have my musical heroes. I observe. I'm a gear hound. I see what they're playing. And then one musician in particular has always kind of just stuck, struck me as uh, not being minimalist, but being very dedicated to what you have. And uh, the bassist for the police named Sting has oh, yeah. played a uh, Fender bass, the same bass for, I think, since the late 70s when they first got started. You'll see that bass on these stadium tours and you'll see that bass in a lot of the live shows. That's that's the uh, Billy Baru for those of you that enjoy Caddyshack. Hmm. Uh, that is the trusted weapon of choice to be able to uh, do your job, perform your talent, enjoy your hobby. Uh, some photographers have one camera that's their Billy Baru. Yeah. Uh, Ted Knight, Judge Smales, and Caddyshack had the putter that was the one that always made the putts for him. That was his uh, main putter. And that was a special one, but we're getting off track. Uh, I found that, you know, to have one, uh, one bag, one computer, one phone. Yeah, we only we don't need multiple phones, but to have one watch. Hello, uh, <laughs> to have one watch that does the job is something that appeals to me because one, I don't have to keep track or have the decision. Uh, it's not really decision fatigue, although that is a thing. What should I? What watch should I wear today? What camera should I shoot with today? What bass should I play for this gig? Mm. Having the right tool for the job is one thing, but if you can find one that fits all of what you're trying to do, all the better. Sure. And so that's, and so leading into that, like being able to recognize what you need um, and what you do with what you need, space becomes, like we said last episode, very premium because now you can evaluate and go, you know, this one thing that I believe the analogy was uh, the one minor league trophy that I got at the Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. You know, as cool as that is, there's a, there's a saying that my wife and I have is, yeah, that was really cool. I'm going to take a picture of it hmm. so I can remember it and then I'm going to donate it or do what we need to do. Like, it's one of those things where the for me, the memory of what that is is more, I have more value in that than the tchotchke. The physical object that is taking uh, space on a shelf or right. in a box right. somewhere. Um, same, uh, and, and this could be sacrilege for some listeners. I'm also an advocate of eBooks and the Kindle. And I know, uh, as my wife probably is going to listen to this episode, you know, she 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 struggled that for for many years. Where we do have a, a selection of books, we still have physical, tangible books because they are severely out of print and uh, like we're talking like nineteen teens books that we've we have that 
um, have different value to us. But the, for instance, the fantasy novels from the 1980s that a lot of uh, hardcore geeks would keep on a shelf, like some meat AV geeks would carry DV- keep DVDs in shelves. Those have gone by the the way of the dodo because you can get them on Kindle, and and as opposed to having bookshelf upon bookshelf of these fantasy fictions, that once you read, really, do you reread them? Like, do you really reread J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit ninety two eighty two times a year? No, not really. Wouldn't it be nicer to have that big Horkin book on something that is thinner than your phone, and then call it up whenever you want? And then gather all that space because, believe it or not, one, bookshelves take up a lot of physical square footage because they have to. The second thing is they're also heavy. If you ever have to move, and we live in a a town that quite frequently people move in, your friends hate you if you're a book collector. (laughs) You laugh, but you know I'm I'm laughing. I used to be one of those book collectors. I used to be one of those uh, CD collectors, and I had like 500-some CDs. And look at at my collection, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Yeah, but, you know, that's what friends do, and that's all part of the the process of evolving as a human being. Uh, What I've found, there's there's a little bit of a – it kind of goes in in ebbs and flows. We've had the ebb of – or we've had the flow of technology into our lives in which you can fit an entire bookshelf into one, uh, one device. But now there's a, there's a, a movement in, uh, with vinyl records as opposed to digital music. With uh, physical books, there's a book called The Revenge of Analog by David Sachs <laughs> yes. that is rather uh, an interesting take on how society is consuming more physical objects as things ebb uh, from ha- being immersed in the in the flow of technology, yeah. if you will. But yet, in that same vein, though, we're seeing an influx. I, I can't remember who put out this study, but we're seeing a rise in the the target demographic, the twenty five to what is it, twenty five to thirty six? Yeah, let's go demographic where there is a uh, money for experiences versus things. And I think what it comes down to is, for instance, in in my book analogy, because I have talked to a great many people and books are a very hot debate when it comes to minimalism. It's like, how dare I get rid of my books? For me, I look at it as, okay, I love the story of The Hobbit. I think it's great, okay? But do I love it so much that it needs to take up square footage? Do I value the story or do I value the physical thing? And for me, it's the story. You know, and I, I don't I don't see the value in the, the physical thing. So, so now earlier on, you mentioned that you have some books. Is it from the 19 teens? Yes. So these are old, old, old books. These are old, old books that are not scanned by Guggenheim or available for Kindle downloads. And so that's that's an in, important point, because as you are taking a look at your possessions, the question should uh, be, if I eliminate this from my life, so, uh, donate it, give it away, sell it, whatever have you. Is there a way that I can get that back? Should I have what do you call uh, letter goes remorse? Remorse, yeah. yeah. And so for those rare out of print books, CDs, DVDs, yeah. that physical media, that original vinyl of Miles Davis kind of blew from the what is it the early sixties or the fifties? Uh, I forget, folks. Give us a shout out at hashtag Beham Podcast if Miles Davis's kind of blue was from the fifties or sixties. I think it was fifty seven. I could be wrong, but. Uh, if you can buy it again from some place online or get it from your library, you have that avenue to be able to redo that. Why would you bother having it in your home if you can? You want to keep on holding on to those uh, rare 
items that that would have some emotional connection or potential value for you. Right, right. And so for me, there's a separation. There's also, I remember there was another study that was done um, during the recession where we saw a lot of people, you know, uh, the recession hit a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And there was an interesting bit that I heard on, it might have been NPR or or, uh, APM, one of those uh, public radio um, outlets, where there was a study that for people with low income or low socioeconomic status, it behooves people to hang on to things because the cost of getting it back um, is outweighs the fact that they already paid for it and they have it on hand. Because if you give it away, you've already, you've already lost the money initial. And if you need it back, then you have to pay twice for the same thing. So that's where we saw um, a lot of people hanging on to a lot of goods, um, you know, the rise of storage barns, that type of thing. I mean, there was that whole storage wars show oh, yeah. on oh, yeah. TNT or whatever. No, it's one of the top uh, business uh, ventures in America to own a, a, a storage facility. Yeah. yeah. And it be, because of this FOMO, a fear of missing out, right? But if you have that mindset that we started this bit with of, you know, what what is more valuable to you? Is it the thing or can or is it the physical thing? Or is it what it represents? Because for me, a, thou- a picture is worth a thousand words. And we've taken, my, my my wife and I take pictures of, of countless things. Obviously, I'm a photographer. But beyond that, like personal things, like there's this picture that my wife did when she was like in the fourth grade um, or she or she made her sister do it because it was a homework assignment. I don't remember. Anyway, her fourth grade teacher is not going to care anymore. But, you know, take a picture of that because the actual physical piece of paper, not so much. But the the story of her bonding with her sister to convince her to, you know, do this a homework assignment and, you know, ha, ha, ha. That That's the memory is more important than the thing. And along those lines, one of the things that I've done uh, with with our daughter, who uh, ever since she was a little shrimp and made these little uh, little pictures and things, I've saved them, mm-hmm. and uh, I still have them. And I haven't gotten into this project because once I start a project, there's inertia, and boom, I, I knock it out. But to take a picture of all these uh, of all of the artwork and and uh, in crafts from my daughter, get them in digital format, and then create a book, whether it's Apple Books or Costco or Shutterfly or name it in the modern thing, that's probably going to be like a future gift for my wife as as, uh, our daughter uh, grows older and takes flight in her own life uh, for those memories. And uh, what a great idea to capture those in the digital format, back them up, and to be able to convert those into a physical format it's the circle of life. It is. But I mean, it's consolidation though. Like yes. minimalism, the, like one of the first steps is to consolidate. Like you said, like being able to look at something and say one watch to rule them all. Me as a watch guy, watch collector, not going to happen. I have my watch case, but I don't have a vault. I'm not that kind of guy. But good on you for being able to see form, function, and, you know, efficiency. And that's the thing is looking for efficiency tracks. That's what minimalism, like the the gateway drug to this is. How can you streamline things so that you have more time, more space, more energy? Uh, and there, there is. I remember there's another, uh, there was a, I think you told me about this article where there was a professional working higher echelon businesswoman and for a year she basically had like the same wardrobe mm-hmm. that way. I mean, basically it was like, I don't remember a black top, black slacks or something like that. Yep. And it was funny because um, it one it freed up the issue of, oh, I need to find this to match this or whatever. But the other thing that went on in, in that article, I remember you don't have this fear of, oh, is this going to look good or because it's, it's like a uniform type mm-hmm. of a thing. It's all black, for instance. Yep. And the other thing that she was worried about is, oh, maybe everybody's going to notice that I, I wear the same thing. 
They didn't. Nope, because they, everyone's so self-absorbed in their own life. They never <laughs> pause to realize, oh, you've written, you've worn that same blouse and and pantsuit combination for five days in a row. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, very similar to uh, an online movement called Project Three Thirty Three, where you have. Uh, you wear 33 items of clothes for three months, I believe. Uh, and I may have that wrong, but anyway, Google Project 333, it's uh, a way to pare down your wardrobe to the bare essentials, no pun intended, huh. uh, as you approach your wardrobe uniform. And, you know, when when you talk about wardrobe uniforms, the top two that have really stuck to a certain type of uh, same outfit was former President Barack Obama and Mark Zuckerberg uh, of <laughs> Facebook with their uniforms, Navy suit, uh, white t- white shirt, tie, and, and, and shoes, and then your hoodie and a gray t-shirt. Mm. You don't have to think about it in the morning when you get up. It's like, boom, there it is. I haven't gotten to the navy blue suit nor the gray t-shirt and, t-shirt and hoodie, but I've gotten there where it's kind of like blue jeans, black t-shirt, yeah. and something uh, over the top mm-hmm. uh, for my wardrobe just because I know in the morning and my work, I'm blessed to be a technologist in which uh, you're not paying me for my wardrobe acumen. You're paying me for my brain. <laughs> and whether or not I arrive in jeans and a T-shirt or I arrive in a bespoke Armani suit, uh, it's it, you're you're wanting my knowledge. And so I'm, I'm lucky to be that. So I don't, I don't have yeah. to worry about that in the morning. Now, I know that some people like express themselves through fashion. And I, I totally respect that, too. Like, that's your thing. Like, I know my wife loves shoes. Mm. You know, I'm not that type of thing. But for me, a watch. Like, Definitely. I like having certain watches for certain things. Absolutely. You know? Um, so it, there's there's a little bit of something for everyone. Uh, and along those same lines, there is something for everyone, and that is you might be listening to us on KMRE 102.3 FM. Low power. Community radio here in the heart of the city of subdued excitement. On that note, I'd like to segue to the uh, square meter challenge. Yes. So I was YouTube surfing like any good technologist with a baby, and, and you run out of cartoons to watch. And of all people, Ikea has this little short vignette series called the square meter M-E-T-R-E for for us Americans or as everybody else spells it abroad. And what this is, is, of course, it's plugging Ikea and all of their names of products that I can never remember, like the Bjork and the Mjörsnifashnikata. Well, I'm sure those in Sweden yes. often view Tacoma and, 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 and Puyallup and like, what are, the, what are these words? <laughs> right, right. So what's interesting about the square meter challenge is Ikea does a sketch of what if. It's a what if. Mm-hmm. Um, and they play out a, a real life situation. Let's say you're a family of four with two little ones. Um, what would it take in reality to live in a 50 square meter place, a house? Not, not one of these tiny homes like because here in America, we have a very distorted view on space. We like things big. Our roads are huge. Hoorah. Our, our, our McMansions are ginormous. Preach. But that's not the case everywhere. If you go to Japan or if you go to Europe, a, uh, uh, a townhouse is what we would call probably an apartment over here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just interesting. So IKEA is bringing this concept across the pond to us where, yes, they're using their products. But what if you had 50 square meters and you were a family with two little ones? What would life look like? Re- in reality. So they sketch it out. And of course, they have products of what, what they're doing. And then they built a mock-up. So you actually see in this video what 50 square meters looks like. It's not just a drawing on a napkin. Like it's real. This is what it could look like. 
So anyway, take a look at it. I got a link in the show notes because they have some interesting thing. Let's say you're a young couple and this is your first apartment. How might you be able to use a very in in, in our town here in Bellingham? We have some pretty small apartments. Yep. Um, any any uh, student will tell you that. So how do you make the best with what you got? And it's just a really cool uh, short series. And uh, looking past their branding, you know, they have some really cool ideas like telescoping closets as opposed to horizontal closets. That were depth tradition- as depth- opposed to width. Yeah, yeah, depth closets versus width closets. And, and anyway, it's, it's just a really cool take. Uh, speaking of rooms, Chris, I believe you had a slight uh, remodel when you got back from a, a, a trip, a solo yeah. trip. Yeah, no, I... I, I my- we uh, we're blessed to have a home that uh, has three bedrooms, and so one of them has been used for, as a guest room for quite some time. And um, it's always nice to be able to have sacred space. So daughter's got her bedroom, we've got our bedroom, uh, you know, family room, kitchen, et cetera, et cetera. But I get I get a little bit of an eye roll every time you, someone uses the word man cave, oh. uh, and. But there's an opportunity, you know, being an introvert and being a thinker and being a futurist and being a technologist, you got to have a place to be able to think and do and nerd out and just have a little bit of quiet time. And so we had this room. And so my wonderful wife thought, do what you want to this room. We'll still keep the guest bed in there. But whatever you want to put in there, here's a little bit, you know, we're we're lucky to have a tax return coming in. Uh, Here's a little bit of fundage. Let's uh, outfit it. So I had that similar thought exercise as the square meter challenge. What would I do with a room if I could design it any way that I want? And that was fun because I, you know, took a look at a lot of, uh, design blogs and, and room blogs, did a lot of Google image searching. And, uh, I happened to, you know, got a little bit of paint. We, we did, had a little bit of a darker uh, blue type paint. Oh, it's not black? <laughs> no, because that, that just looks a little, weir- a little weird for a room. Okay, well. Yeah, no, I don't want to be like... Add some color, yes! It's a little bit of a dark uh, indigo color, but anyway. Um, I wanted a very... I, I wanted minimalism. Huh. Uh, I chose to... You know, we have some friends that were eliminating some furniture because they upgraded, uh, but this uh, extended love seat... Uh, type uh, chaise lounge, and, chaise lounge, chaise lounge, and and ottoman looks really nice, and it's total full on white. So when you get blue back, dark blue backgrounds, and a white chaise lounge, uh, it looks pretty skookum yes. to sit there and read and to think and to enjoy the sunlight that drifts in. Uh, got a very simple desk that I was able to find uh, on a website that we talk about a lot, uh, having done some research, and. I really don't have a lot of technology on there. I store my iPad Pro uh, on there, but it's a pretty sparse desk. Got a little tiny plant just for having a little bit of life. Um, But I got a a little bit of a a large fabric type uh, rectangular lampshade with a a LifeX bulb in there. Ah, So I can adjust mood lighting depending on uh, my mood, if it's in the evening or in the afternoon or such. And that's been uh, pretty cool. And you know, uh, budget uh, funds notwithstanding, it was wonderful to be able to kind of take uh, mentally move everything out of that room and going, how would I restock it? So perhaps if you have a, you know, if you don't have the luxury of having a bed, a dedicated bedroom uh, to uh, renovate or a family room or something like that, why don't you try what you currently have? Try the dining room. How would you, uh, or or the kitchen? What would you do to if you wiped out all of the stuff on your kitchen counters? Mm-hmm. What are the essentials that you put in your daily drivers? That's my term. I love a daily driver, like my watch, like my wardrobe, like the only pair of shoes that I have. Uh, it's it's alliteration and it's function. 
which I uh, really enjoy. So yeah, I had a really good chance to uh, get a, a sacred space for thinking and being and having some quiet time. I dig it. Yeah. So AJ, I gotta, I gotta uh, testify. This has been a wonderful conversation because for the past two episodes in a row, with this one being the second, yeah. we talked about one of my favorite topics, minimalism. Well, and that's, uh, but, uh, but Chris, here's the thing. So when we started the show and how it's progressed and we've got listeners, I mean, it's up Dan in Cyprus. Hi, Sri Lanka. Uh, hi, Sri Lanka. We're still big in Sri Lanka. Yes, we are. Um, but no, here's what's cool is, is that we are a society and culture show. And this is, it's not just Bellingham. Bellingham has like a state of mind and it's, it's, it's one of those things where um, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Like a lot of what we, what we want to talk about, we talk about because we dig it, but hopefully others do. And if you don't, you can shoot us a, a hopefully a not so angry tweet, or you can leave us a, a voicemail kind of like Dan did. Area code two zero one seven three one eight three two four. That's area code two zero one seven three one tech. Yeah. Leave us a voicemail, please. And you, that way we can include include you in, perhaps in a in a future show. But yeah, hopefully hopefully you like how how the show is coming because we're coming up on the one hundredth episode. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's this is stuff that pertains to Chris and I, but we hope that it just kind of incites thought. Okay. It just, it's just something that it's beyond just gear lust. It's beyond just what's in our pocket, what's in our bag. It's just thinking about bigger, broader topics. And, and it's devoid of advertising as well, which is nice every now and then folks, because, and we don't steal your data. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) KO. All right, let's wrap this thing up quick. (laughs) That wraps it up for this edition of the belly and podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us wherever you like to podcast. If you're in the belly area, remember you might tune in and tune into us on KMRE 102.3 FM. Hello power. (laughs) Hello power community radio here in the heart of the city by the Salish Sea. And on that note, minimally speaking, I am AJ Barsay. And maximally speaking to the nth degree, I am Chris Powell. Thanks again for joining us on the Bellingham Podcast. I need far less caffeine for when we go what? on the mic. Yeah, I know. Whatever, Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello. Yeah. Hello. That was the queen, though. Oh, oh. 